Welcome, and thank you for joining us as we listen to the lively messages of Brother Nick Manzi, a down-to-earth pastor who communicates God's truth in understandable and practical terms as you apply the Bible to your own life. Amen, and amen, and amen. Praise the Lord. Well, you know, I couldn't have said... All those announcements as good as uh, Pastor Don, and I, I just want to thank him so much. He's, uh, he's been a great help, and uh, he only wants to do what the Lord wants us to do. And uh, I praise the Lord that he's uh, not only a friend, but he's also a helpmate and uh, to be able to work for the Lord. And I just praise the Lord I have a, uh, a friend like that in him. Say the same for uh, Diane, who plays the piano, and, uh, and Miss Pat, who's singing, and uh, all those that are involved, Walson and Bob and Henry and Robert and all those who are helping make this service even as limited in capacity as we are today, everybody that makes it work, I just want to thank you all because you guys are amazing and uh, I really do appreciate you. You know, if you, if you have a, a family, whether it's a direct family member or maybe it's a distant family member, and they were in the military and died during service. My heart goes out to you today. Uh, you know, we are commemorating on the, this Memorial Weekend those who have died in service. But I specifically want to talk to you all right now, uh, just a brief moment, saying that I care for you. And, and I'm sorry that you are feeling what you're feeling right now. And uh, I, I want you to know that I'm here praying for you, and I'm here to support you in whatever you need. Just let me know, and I want to be there for you. For the rest of us that are looking at the weather and thinking and contemplating whether we're going to have a barbecue today or tomorrow, or maybe you're going to the beach or hanging out with some family and friends, I, I want you to know that uh, not only that I want to beat Don to the leftovers, but I want you to, to, to be safe out there. And I really would ask that you just take a few moments of your time and just think of the, uh, of the men and women who did die in service to be able to afford us our freedom that we have today. Praise the Lord for them. You know, uh, I, when I was doing this sermon about sustaining grace, I like to try to come up with stories. And I couldn't really think of a story. I have this program that will give me stories based on the topic that I'm uh, preaching on. Uh, but I couldn't find anything in there. And then I just started thinking back into, you know, my mind and maybe a story come up. And I started thinking about this one story about how several years ago, these engineers were trying to build this bridge to cross over the East River of New York. And while they were building it, they discovered that there was this sunken ship. And of the sunken ship was this metal hull, the bottom of the ship. It was right in the middle of where they were going to put the center brace of that bridge. So they needed to be able to move that boat in order to put that, that center bridge, uh, center support down into the water and on the ground. Well, they brought in some powerful cranes, put the cranes on, you know, on the, on the barges, and they tried to lift that hole up, but it did nothing but push the barge down. Water was coming up. Uh, the, the, the crane was starting to fall over, so they had to stop that effort because uh, that, that ship just wasn't budging at that point. And then one of the engineers actually had this wonderful idea. Instead of trying to pull it up from the water with the crane, let's try something different. Let's put some strong cables around the hull, around that boat, and let's try to lift it out. 
Well, it went a little further than that. What they did is they they uh, they took those those cables and they put it around the ship in specific areas, and they waited for low tide to come in, and then they brought in them same barges, and then they hooked it up to the barge. Well, after they hooked it up to the barge, they knew what was going to happen after high tide would eventually come in and lift that barge up, hence lifting the boat out of water, out of the ground. And then they were able to tow it out and to make it a coral reef somewhere where nobody would be able to be endangered from this boat. You know, I, I thought about that story because there are times in our life when we're like that crane and we're trying to pull uh, the, the wreck out from the bottom of our pits that we're living in. We don't have enough strength to do it, though. We're pulling and pulling and we just don't have the strength. And, but all we need to do is get connected to something, tie a cable around us and get connected to Jesus. And when we do that, we can allow Jesus' gentle strength to be able to lift us up out of that water that we're in and carry us out. See, only in Jesus do we have the strength that we need. You know, today we're going to continue our, our sermon series on Amazing Grace. If you're looking for a Memorial Day sermon, I'm sorry, we're going to continue our service here with Amazing Grace. And, but last week, if you recalled, we talked about saving grace. And I do want to first apologize to everybody listening today that was here last week. If you remember, we had a lot of technical challenges that we faced. And Satan was attacking us from each and every direction throughout the whole day. And if, and if you were part of Sunday school last week, you remember at Sunday school, uh, you, uh, Zoom was down. And it, it was uh, the youth group was trying to do their, their Bible study. And people couldn't see. Some people couldn't hear. Some people couldn't connect. The adults, they had the same problem and they had to cancel. And it was, but we found out after the service that this wasn't just in our specific area. It wasn't our lack of technological abilities. It was happening worldwide with Zoom. And then comes our worship time at 11 o'clock, and we were trying something a little bit different with our service. And uh, well, we, well, let me rephrase that. I, plugged in the microphone in the wrong jack, which caused all the volume challenges that we had last week. But the reality is that Satan was attacking us last week. It even continued on Wednesday night, by the way, because when we were having our Wednesday night adult study, we found out that some people, half the people were able to see us perfectly and hear us perfectly, and the other half was having some trouble logging in. They were getting kicked out. They couldn't hear us. They couldn't see us, whatever it was. We found out AT&T was having some internet problems in the local area. See, Satan wants to attack us each and every day. And he was really attacking us this week, especially on Sunday through Wednesday, because he did not want the message of saving grace getting out to the multitudes. He doesn't want other people to know about Jesus' saving grace. He wanted to try to frustrate us so we would stop doing what we're doing. He tried to trip us up so we'd fall flat on our face and we wouldn't try it again. See, that's what Satan does to us. But let me tell you, our God is a such a great God. Amen. He's so great. And he helped us through all the challenges that we had. And we still got the message of saving grace out, not because of our own efforts, but because we relied on the strength of God and not of our own. That's because we have a saving grace. And if you remember, we talked about that saving grace means that we have a gift and that gift is salvation. 
but it needs to be received in, by faith, and that's through Jesus Christ. But that it's available to everyone. Anyone who so wants it, it's there for them. Nobody has to worry whether they're exempted from this or not able to receive it. It's available to everyone, but it's through Christ only. Only through Jesus can we get this gift, and that gift will extend into eternity. Remember the acrostic grace that we talked about? But today I want to do the shift gears a little bit. You know, we're going to look at a different side of the diamond, try to find that new sparkle of the diamond in a different light. And today we're going to talk about sustaining grace. See, sustaining grace is the help that we need to be able to live in this broken world in which you and I live in every day. Jesus told us in John chapter 10, verse 10, that he came to give us life and he wanted to give it to us in the fullest but he wasn't just talking about eternal life. He was talking about right now and the here and now. This life that you and I are living in. He wants to be able for us to get that life in the fullest. But before we go any further and start hitting other rapid trails, I want us to be able to look for our text today. I want you to open up your Bibles. Open up your Bibles. You know how I feel about that. Open up your Bibles to 1 Peter chapter 5. We're going to look at verses 10 and 11. 1 Peter Chapter 5, verse 10 and 11, read God's word for yourself. His word has no mistakes. It's infallible. And I'll tell you, I have so many mistakes that happen in my life. You don't want to trust on my word. Trust in God's word. Amen. So 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 10 and 11. If you're there, say amen or hit them heart buttons. Verse 10, but may the God of all grace, who called us to his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after you have suffered a while, perfect, establish, strengthen, and settle you. To him be the glory and the dominion forever and ever. Amen. Let's pray. Lord Father, oh Lord Father, thank you so much. Thank you so much for all you do, Lord. And I just thank you for being such a wonderful God, a gracious God, a merciful and loving God, Lord Father. Thank you. Father, I just thank you for this opportunity to be able to delve into your word a little bit further. But Father, I just first ask that you forgive us in Jesus' name. Give us that saving grace if it's the first time, but give us the grace we need to be able to be forgiven and have the clean hearts. So we, when we enter in your throne room, Lord Father, and kneel at your feet, we do so with that clean heart. Father, I just thank you so much for giving us brothers and sisters to be able to fellowship with and to be able to uh, hear your word with. So, Father, I just pray you fill us with the Holy Spirit right now, Father. Clear our minds and hearts of everything happening in our lives, good, bad, and different. So as we study your word, the only thing and person we're focused on is you and your word. Father, I thank you for this time to be able to study, but Father, I especially thank you for the wisdom you're about to bestow onto us. Let us be able to use it in a mighty way to further your kingdom. We love you, Lord. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now look back at that passage there for a second that we just read. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 10 and 11. Uh, if you look back there, did you notice that, the, the, that one part of that passage that we read? 
Did you notice that, that Peter started using some words, some specific words at the, verse of, uh, at the end of verse 10? I mean, those are words that, that strengthen us in some way or another. And if you translate all those words back into the Greek form in which it was originally written, you kind of get a better idea of what God wants for you. It's going to be on the screen, by the way, when you look at it. Uh, so try to keep up if you can. If not, contact me later and I'll be able to get it to you. But for the first word he talks about is perfect and the word for perfect means to mend what has been made broken to make to mend what has been made broken the second word is establish and that means to place firmly and solidify constantly to play to, to place firmly and to solidify constantly then he uses the word strengthen and that means to make strong and strengthen one's soul and finally, the, the last word, settle, that word he uses for settle, means to lay a foundation and to make stable. See, all this is wonderful news that he wants to be able to do this in our lives. But ex exactly how does the grace of God help us when we're weak? How does it help us? Well, I got some three points that you're going to want to write down this, uh, this morning. If you got a pen and paper, write it down. If you don't, write it in a column of your Bible. That's okay, too. Uh, the first thing he does is it keeps me grounded when I'm tempted. God's grace keeps me grounded when I'm tempted. See, the moment that you accepted grace and you, you, got, you received that gift of God, you pass from the kingdom of darkness and into the kingdom of light. See, you, you change from being the property of the devil and now you're a child of God. See, the devil hates you just because of that alone. He doesn't want you to be a child of God, and he knows he can't change it, so he's going to do everything he can to stop you from getting other people to change to be, become a child of God. He's going to get everything in his power to tempt you to doing something wrong. Why? Because the devil hates you for being a child of God. He wants you to stop. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8 tells us that. It says, be sober, be vigilant. Why? Because the adversary, your devil, walks about like a roaring lion. You see that? Why? Seeking whom he may devour. See, you've got to understand something here. This, the devil that we speak of, Satan, the one, that is the, 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 the one that wants to come and destroy our lives, he wants to destroy you completely so we don't get the message of grace out there to the masses. So how do you and I stand up against Satan? How do we stand up against him? Well, Scripture tells us right there, it starts with being self-controlled. It starts with being alert. See, we need to be sober. We need to be awake. That's what the scripture actually says. And being sober means that you and I are in control. That there's nothing else in our lives controlling us. Being awake means to be watchful. You're making sure that you're alert and you're ready to act at a moment's notice when danger comes our way. See, every day, you and I are faced with moral choices. I don't care who you are, every single one of us is faced every day with moral choices. And with those choices, we have the ability of choosing between what's wrong or what's right. And when it comes to those moral choices, before we make that decision, we're going to be tempted to make the wrong choice. See, every single person is tempted 
And we will never outgrow temptation. Even Jesus was tempted. Do you remember the story? But praise the Lord, Jesus never sinned. See, the good news is this. If Jesus was tempted and he never sinned, that means it's not a sin to be tempted. What is a sin is to be able to give in to the temptation. That's the sin. You know, years ago, Larry King interviewed uh, Billy Graham. And they were talking about a lot of different scandals that were going on. And then Larry turned to Billy Graham and said to him, you're, you're 80, 80 years old, Billy, and you've been in the public limelight your entire life. You're just a, a man of integrity. How is it that you've never managed to have a scandal in your life? Well, Billy Graham answered by quoting 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13. And he said, no temptation has overtaken you except as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able, but with the temptation will also make the way of escape that you may be able to bear it. See, that's a wonderful promise, isn't it? God will never allow you to have any more temptation than you're able to handle. Not according to what you think you can handle, by the way. What he thinks you can handle. See, that's what sustaining grace is. Sustaining grace means that you always have an escape route. That you always have some way uh, out of the bad situation that you might be walking yourself into. But that same verse that we just read in 1 Corinthians 10, 13, it also says that temptation is common. That means that everyone is going through the same things. And that also is good news because it means that whatever you're going through, no matter what you're, you think you might be tempted with, there's somebody else who's been tempted with it as well. See, you don't have to go through temptation alone. In fact, the greatest way to handle temptation is to be able to have an accountability partner, somebody you can share your struggles with, See, the devil, well, he loves to come against us, and, and he does so in darkness. But when we start talking our, about our struggles with somebody else, that brings those struggles into the light, and it starts to expose them, and it disarms the devil. So number one, the grace of God keeps me grounded when I'm tempted. But number two, it also keeps me going when I'm tired. The grace of God keeps me going when I'm tired. See, sometimes the issue isn't just about temptation, is it? Sometimes it's just that you're tired. They, you know, life can be really exhausting. It requires a lot of strength, a lot of energy to be able to live life, especially when you're going against the flow. You know, it's much harder to be able to paddle a canoe upstream than it is downstream. And let me tell you, my family and I learned that firsthand not too long ago. A couple weeks, we went out on canoes and, you know, we, we went out downstream and we ended up so far out because the current took us out that we had to struggle our way back upstream to get back. And we struggled so much that halfway through, not even halfway through, we were ready to give up. We were trying to find somebody to give us a ride back to where we started. See, life can be exhausting. 
But 1 Corinthians 16, 13, 1 Corinthians 16, 13 tells us so to be alert, tells us to be watchful, tells us to be on guard. It tells us to stand firm and it tells us to be courageous and strong. See, these all require effort. All those words say that we have to put in some kind of effort. So when the culture is going one way and you're trying to do the right thing by going the other way, it's going to be tough. It's going to be the tough being the only person in the office who walks away from a group who is talking about dirty jokes. And the more you try to do what's right, the more energy you're going to exert trying to do the right thing. But let me tell you, Galatians 6 verse 9 it encourages us to not grow weary while doing good, for in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. See, Paul is telling us not to grow weary in doing good, because that's what's going to happen when we do good. We will get so exhausted that one day we might want to give up. It's hard to go against the flow. It's hard to live for Christ in a world that lives for the devil. And sometimes there's going to be days that even the best of us is going to get grouchy. We might snap at somebody. And there's going to be days where somebody was rude to us and we want to just be rude back to them. But how do we find the energy to be able to live for Jesus while living in this fallen world? Well, Philippians 2.13 tells us how. It says, For it is God who works in you both to will and to do good for His pleasure, His good pleasure. You know, I once heard a person say, it's hard to be a Christian this, in today's day, in today's world. You know, you're right. It is. But that, has, that hasn't changed throughout the seasons. Because in and of ourselves... None of us have the strength to be able to be a Christian. Not one of us has the strength to do it on our own. It's impossible. The only perfect person who ever lived was Jesus Christ. So if we want to be able to live a victorious Christian life, we have to understand that we cannot do it in our own strength, and we need to rely on God's power to be able to get us through it. The key to the Christian life is not trying. It's trusting. Let me tell you, they, they write that down somewhere. Highlight it after you write it down. I want you to post it on Facebook when we're done here. You know, Instagram, Snapchat, TikTok, whatever those things that you do. You know, just post it on wherever you can. Get it out to the masses. Text it to your friends and family. The key to the Christian life is not trying. It's trusting. Let me put it a different way. Do you know how many years it took Noah to build the ark? Well, if you know your Bible well, you know it took him 120 years to be able to do so. I mean, can you imagine waiting 120 years for anything? All right, albeit they had longer lifespans than we do today, but the point is Noah still waited 120 years. I mean, how did he have the, the ability to be able to keep on keeping on when life was getting rough? When he, started, when he physically just didn't want to do it anymore. When he mentally was struggling and didn't feel like anything was going to happen. That this is taking forever, Lord. 
You know, I must, I'm sure he got quite tired building that ark. Well, as you know, the story says that he did build the ark. And it took him a course of over 20 years. Because Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. That's what Genesis chapter 6 verse 8 says. It says, because Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Are you finding grace in the eyes of the Lord? See, Noah understood God's sustaining grace. But like Noah, God wants to be able to give you his power so you can do what you need to do for his kingdom. See, the Christian life is not a matter of willpower. It's a matter of God's power. See, God never will ask you to do anything. He's not yet first given you the power to do so. So think about a moment for the power of God's greatness. You know, God made the sun, right? And the sun, I don't know if you realize this, it produces more power in one single second than all the energy used throughout of all time with humanity. But yet the sun still has enough energy to last uh, another 30 billion more years, according to scientists. God made the sun. He simply spoke it, and he spoke the rest of the universe into existence. That's the kind of power God has. Let's look at it further. How many stars are there in the universe? Well, NASA tells us that there are approximately 70 sextillion stars. Well, how do you write that number? Well, put a seven and follow it by 22 zeros. That's a lot of stars, isn't it? But yet we're told in Psalm chapter 147, verse 3 through 5, that God heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. Listen, he counts the numbers of the stars. He calls them all by name. All 70 sextillion he calls by name. Great is our Lord and mighty in power. His, his uh, understanding is infinite. Let's look at a little bit more of his power. You know, I love going to the beach and I love looking at the sand. And, you know, you go to the west coast of Florida, it's white sand over here. It's a little tan. And depending on what you like, you know, to each their own, right? But there's still a lot of sand grains all over the place. And some estimate in this world that there's approximately seven quintillion grains of sand in this world. That means seven with 18 zeros followed after it. That's also a big number. I don't know if these numbers are true. I'm just going off of what scientists say. But scriptures remind us in Psalm 139, 16 through 18. It says, your eyes, talking about God, your eyes saw my substance, but yet being unformed. And in your book, they were all written. The days fashioned for me, when as yet there were none of them. How precious also are your thoughts to me, O God. How great is the sum of them. If I should count them, they would be more than the number than the sand. When I awake, I am still with you. What kind of promise is that? What kind of power do we have in a God like we have? What about, what about the water? They say two-thirds of our earth is filled with water. How many gallons do you think that'd be? Well, somebody much smarter than me estimated that it was, it's approximately 3.6 sextillion gallons. That's 3.6 followed by 21 zeros. That's a huge number. 
Yet in Psalm 33, 6 and 7, it says, By the word of the Lord the heavens were made, and all the hosts of them by the breath of his mouth. He gathers the water. He's talking about God. He gathers the waters of the sea together as a heap. He lays up the deep in storehouses. See, that's some power, isn't it? See, plain and simple, God has some infinite power. And then he wants to come to you and he wants to say to you, do you need some of this power? I can just give you just a little small iota of my power. That way you can handle my will and my, and, and my grace and be able to do what I need you to do. I'm going to give you the power before you do it. And because God's power is unlimited, he's not going to be like you and me who's going to get tired. Because he never gets tired. He never gets exhausted. Praise the Lord. See, God's grace is a sustaining grace. And it's a sustaining grace, not just when I'm tempted and not just when I'm tired. But God's grace keeps me growing when, I'm, when I am troubled. God's grace keeps me growing when I am troubled. See, there's going to be times in life when we're going to face uh, obstacles in our life that just seem unsurmountable. We're going to face those problems and trials in our lives, those adversities that will come our way. Jesus even promised that in this world you will have trouble. And why did he tell us that? Well, he tells us that so we can expect the trouble, that we're not surprised when it comes our way. There are going to be problems that are going to hit us like a sack of potatoes. And they're, they're going to have such force. They're going to knock us off our feet. There's going to be problems where we're going to feel like the rug has been pulled out from under us. And we're going to fall and hit the back of our heads. Then there's, other going, to be, there's going to be other problems that are going to be like train wrecks. And they're coming a mile down the road. And you see, and you can't do anything about it. And after it hits you, it keeps on going because it can't stop. There's going to be other problems that are unfair. And you're just an innocent party and somebody hurts you or wrongs, wrongs you. And you don't even deserve that kind of problem. But you have no control over it. And maybe you're even left asking yourself of God, God, why are you doing this to me? And maybe the worst are the problems that are not only undeserved, but they're unrelenting. You know, most of us can handle some problems if we could see the end of it, if we, if we could see the light at the end of the tunnel. I mean, I don't want to go through a three, six, eight month problem, but at least if you see the light at the end of the tunnel, you know that there's going to be an end in sight. But unfortunately, there's going to be some things in your life that are going to continue to be a burden day after day, year after year, decade after decade. They're going to be perpetual and they're going to be things that you live with for the rest of your life. There are just some situations in life that are just part of our world. And nothing you do is going to be able to make them go away. But see, let me tell you something. God knows when you are weak. He knows that when we become weak... And Jesus understands what it's like to go through trials. He went through some himself. And, but he gives us the strength that we need for each new day. 
Isaiah chapter 41, verse 13 and 14 encourages us. For I, says the Lord your God, will hold your right hand, saying to you, fear not, I will help you. Fear not, you worm, Jacob, you men of Israel. I will help you, says the Lord, and your Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel. I will help you, he says. C.H. Spurgeon, he once told of a story uh, about a large sum of money given to uh, this man named Roland Hill to be able to give to a poor pastor. And Roland Hill thought it might have been too much money to give to that poor pastor all at once. So he forwarded just a small portion of the money with the letter in it that said more to follow. Well, in a few days, that poor pastor received another letter with the, containing the same amount of money with the same encouraging words, more to follow. And at regular intervals, there came a third envelope and a fourth envelope and a fifth envelope. And they all contained those cheering words until the entire sum had been received. See, the grace of God helps us each and every day. He gives us what we need for that day with that same promise, more to follow. But you know what? So great about God. He follows up the next day with those same encouraging words, more to follow. And the next day, and the next day, and the day after that, and keeps on going with those same words, more to follow. See, each day it's like receiving manna in the desert. We get that grace from God, but it's only enough grace to be able to sustain us. It's a sustaining grace. And God's sustaining grace keeps us grounded when I'm tempted. It keeps me going when I'm tired. And it keeps me growing while I'm troubled. Those are your three points for today. But now it's time to apply what we just learned. How do we put this into our life? How do we lay hold to and learn what, what, how to rely on God's sustaining grace? Let me give you three sub-bullets. First, we need to cry out. We need to cry out. See, we need to cry out to God for help. And as long as we try to pretend to be self-sufficient, we're going to short-circuit God's power in our lives. We need to be able to admit that we, we're inadequate. We need to be able to say to God, God, I just can't handle this. Help me, Lord. And cry out to Him and ask for His help, not just in the bad situations, but in every situation. But He gives more grace. See, that's what James chapter 4, verse 6 says, right? It says, but he gives more grace. Therefore, he says, God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Do you see that last word, humble? Circle it. Circle it in your Bibles and highlight it. Make sure you, that stands out to you. Who gets the grace? The humble. You see that? Those who cannot, who, excuse me, those who admit they cannot do it on their own. Those who want to draw near to God and start crying out to Him. They're going to receive that kind of grace from God. See, the Lord has more need of our weaknesses than He does our strengths. See, because our strength is often His rival. But our weaknesses, huh. That's when we can draw on his resources and then we can give all the glory to him. So we can rely on God's grace by crying out to him. Next, 
in order for us to rely on God's grace, we need to be able to comfort ourselves. We need to comfort ourselves. See, the Bible is an ongoing source of strength for us. We need to be students of God's word. It's so important. We should be reading our Bibles and trying to memorize as much as we can each and every day. We need to look at it and not just look at it as some other book or some just words that are written down, but we got to be looking at it as a conversation that God is giving you and giving me. I mean, Psalm 119, verses 12 through 16 says, Blessed are you, O Lord. Teach me your statutes. With my lips I have declared all the judgments of your mouth. I have rejoiced in the way of your testimonies as much in all riches. I will meditate on your precepts and contemplate your ways. I will delight myself in your statutes. I will not forget your word. Memorize God's word. Put it in your hearts. It's so important to do so. Why? Because our world tells us to look within ourselves when we have trials. Oh, you have enough strength to be able to do it. Just dig down deep, they say. Well, that's not what scripture is saying, is it? See, the right answers are not within us. At least not until we start to memorize God's word and place him in our hearts. We need to eat his word each and every day so we can look within us, but it's not for us, for our own strength, it's for God's power. When we get in trouble, we need to look to him for that strength and not in and of ourselves. See, there are thousands of promises that God has given us in his word. So we need to lay hold of them and we need to start using them. So when you're going through a problem that you can't fix, don't give up. Look up. Call out to God for his help. Fill your mind with God's word. And then we can also rely on God's grace by calling on others. We can also rely on God's grace by calling on others. You know, one of the primary ways God sustains us through trials is through the church. It's through the ministry of other, other Christians. And it, let me tell you right now, if you don't have some strong Christian friends, some mature believers, maybe you're not plugged into a Sunday school class, or maybe you don't come to the midweek Bible study class that we offer here. Well, you know, those places give you feedback when you're going through some trials, when you're going through some troubles, or when you just need somebody to care. That's where the support comes in when the crisis is on in our lives. And if you don't have any of that, well, I have sympathy for you. I have sympathy for you because you can't do it on your own. You need a support group. God never meant for you to be able to go through life on your own. We are a family of brothers and sisters, and we need to rely on our family. So you you need to be able to accept God's grace through his people. And since we're here as a family of Central Baptist Church, what better place than here to find that support group? You know, we believe in uh, the same God, the same Jesus. We already know you. We already love and care about you. And if you're a visitor, or maybe you're contemplating coming as a visitor when we reopen, we may not know you. But I want you to know that We still love you and we still care for you. 
And we want to do whatever we can to support you as well. So to close, I want you to remember that the next time that you face an impossible situation in life, or a time when you're tempted, or you're tired, or you're in trouble, I understand the burden might seem heavy at the time, but we need to put, it, put that burden into proper perspective because there's nothing that God can't handle and he wants to give you all that sustaining grace. Rely on him to give you grace and he will, that sustaining grace. Maybe you're watching today and or you're listening wherever you're listening. And maybe you need that grace. Maybe you're just being tossed around like a ping pong ball. Maybe you're just bouncing off the walls like a pinball. And all this stuff is happening to your lives, to your life. And you just don't know where to go anymore. You don't know how you're able to handle what God has given you. Well, look to him for the power. Look to him for the grace. He will give it to you. Maybe you're there and you're feeling all those same things and life is caving in on you, but you've never accepted Christ as your Savior. He can't give you sustaining grace unless you first have that saving grace. So ask him into your life as right today to be your Savior and to be your Lord. But wherever you are today, we must look at Jesus, not just as a Savior. We must look at him as our Lord, as our King of kings, as the Prince of peace, the Lord of all lords. We must look at him that way. Because until we do, we can't rely on his sustaining grace. We're going to go to a time of prayer right now. And as we do, wherever you are. Ask God to forgive you where you failed them. Ask God to open up your eyes through the Holy Spirit to be able to figure out how you failed them. But then ask God to give you the power to resist temptation, to have the strength when you get tired, and to be able to look for Him for all things. Let's pray. Lord, Father, thank you. Thank you so much, Lord, for all you do. Thank you for giving us such wonderful, sustaining grace. And Father, I just pray that you just bestow that blessing upon our lives right now. Father, we, we fail you each and every day, and we ask you for forgiveness. But Father... We also go through so many trials and tribulation, so many temptations. Father, I just pray that you help us get through those so we don't give in to those temptations, that we don't fail, fail by falling into the devil's hands and his manipulation and his conniving spirit. But Father, we fall into your grace. Father, help us as we come to this point where we want to be able to just let you work in our hearts, not just this, this afternoon, but in all the days to come. Father, we love you and we thank you for that. But Father, I also want to lift up all those families 
to have somebody in their family near or maybe not so near in their families that might have passed in their service while serving in the military. Father, I just pray you give them comfort. Father, I pray you give them a a sustaining grace of comfort. Father, I pray for the rest of us as we go about our separate ways and start to do our, our separate things, Father, that you just give us the grace of remembering that we belong to a family. To be able to rely on each other, to lift each other up. And Father, I pray you give us a comforting and peaceable grace a grace to be able to look at somebody and not criticize, but to lift them up. Father, I thank you for all the types of sustaining grace you give us, all the ones that were discussed, all the many that weren't. Father, we thank you for each one. May we be a, a mighty beacon of light to your kingdom. Give us the power to be that light. Give us the guidance and wisdom. We love you, Lord. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Nick Manzi is Senior Pastor of Central Baptist Church in Port St. Lucie, Florida. If you want more information about the church, or if you're ready to have Jesus as your Lord and Savior, contact Brother Nick at PastorNickCentralBaptistPSL at gmail.com. God bless you as you go about the rest of your day, and thank you for listening and sharing our podcast.